everybody, I'm Roxy. And I'm Priska. And we are the two horny girls. We're just two horny goats climbing the mountain of life, eating Asian American stereotypes for breakfast. Ding, 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 ding. Oh my gosh, you guys, we are so fucking excited. You know why? Guys, guess. Okay. So, oh my We are in my new house. <gasps> Yay! And uh, Prisca and I are sitting across from each other yes. again. Again. First time for season two. Exactly. And you know what? I do have to say that yeah. it did feel so different when we did the glow up episode. A lot of people said that like it's their favorite episode. I mean, I know that all of our episodes are like, I mean, by God. all your favorite. <laughs> but there is something so different, Prisca, about yeah. being able to share the space with you, breathe the same air you breathe, COVID safely, yeah. you know? Yeah, <laughs> totally. I know because Roxy gets tested all the time because she's yes. in production. Mm-hmm. Um, so Roxy brought Yaya and we are here for the weekend um, at my husband's new studio in our new house. Yes. He's calling it. <laughs> The Shire Studios. The Shire Studios. And I just have to say, Prisca, I am still processing how overwhelmed I feel coming to your house today. Like, literally, I drove up and my mouth was gaping open <laughs> the moment I saw your driveway. Like, just the driveway, you it's guys. It's like a circle driveway or like a, a semi-circle driveway. Like, it felt like it needed a gate at the yeah. very front so I that mean- I could, like, pull up into your driveway. <laughs> and you're like, oh, yeah, like, in the email or um, in the text message, Prisca is just like, just pull up behind our car in the driveway. And being Angelino, you're just like, oh, yeah, like, just tandem park. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, she got her own space. I, like, this is just like a gigantic, <laughs> like, it's like a, like, coming up to the driveway of a fucking castle oh like you know it's like the queen will see it's you like now. a moat yeah, yes it much. is a yeah, moat and i was like where are the horses and then Prisca's like they're in the back and there's it's very much true like there are horses in the back all y'all. the king's horses and all the king's men they live right behind us that's the thing that's the thing i didn't talk about last time but they're here and can i just say the moment you oh so then Prisca comes down in her ball gown okay yeah well i mean i had to wear a floor length ball gown because roxy was coming you know and we're like both covid negative never <laughs> <laughs> ne- ne- never did. We're both COVID negative. She's which very is like excited to see me today. The She's sexiest thing ever. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, Prisca, when I came into your house, yeah. nothing that you told me before could have prepared me for what I saw today. Like, literally, you guys, this house, compared to your Los Feliz apartment, yeah. it's, it's like... 10 times the size of that. Like, I'm not even exaggerating. The studio side that we're in right now, our entire, every apartment that we've lived in could have fit in here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's... It's kind of crazy. And that's why I was like, and you can see why I was overwhelmed. Yeah. You know, I like the first thing Roxy came in and you can tell we're like in our thirties because Roxy's first thing was like cleaning this place must be a bitch. <laughs> that was like I, was like I was like ready to get on all fours, put my finger and yeah. then like wipe it Check down to see it. if there's any dust I know. on it. Cause it doesn't feel like there is. No. And I'm like, Prisca, yeah. how the fuck do you do it? Um, I, you know, I luckily Abe and I, we're both pretty committed to keeping it clean, but I mean, it's month one. So who knows? You know what I mean? Um, everyone's like, get a fucking ro- eye robot. Which, yes. You know what I mean? Cause yes. like you talked about getting one. And so we, we probably need to do that. But I think what's 
good. Okay. And guys, this is a two story house, but Abe and I basically don't go into the upstairs because it's like two guest bedrooms up there. It's the motel. It's the (laughs) or the hotel part of the house. And it's kind of cool because I think what we're excited to do is host like creative retreats, um, have like artists, artist friends, if they need a weekend to come stay here. And like Abe and I both love to cook and we both love to entertain. And so even in like this crazy, who knows how long COVID's going to be here world, um, we can try to do it safely where we can, you know, just create a safe harbor for for us and for potential other artists. Like uh, Abe was making breakfast for us when <laughs> I, I mean, came in today. And like the kitchen is a chef's kitchen. It's big. Yeah. It's huge. And then both. And then I was making a joke. I was like, this is like Bistro uh, Leanne Kim's, you know, and then upstairs is like bed Leanne Kim's and, yeah. and breakfast all around. It's pretty wild. And I think, um, you know, I had a lot of conflicting feelings because one, it's too much space. It's like way too much space for the two of us. And I know I said that. And that's like, you know, having lived in Oregon and then New York, you're like, you're just like, you don't want to complain about space, you know, but, um, it's too much space. It wouldn't be where we would choose to live. It Mm -hmm. it just wouldn't like it's outside of LA. Um, it took you like 45 minutes to get here, Mm -hmm. which isn't too bad, but you know, it's just, it's outside of what our expectations were for what we wanted to be doing. Like, honestly, like when I thought about upsizing, like I was like, Ooh, maybe a two bedroom, (laughs) you know? And now it's like, it's a three bedroom with two offices and a studio. You like, know what I, I mean? I feel like this is such a huge stark of a difference. Yeah. Like, um, remember you were talking about, oh, I don't want to feel ungrateful. Yeah. But the thing is that this wasn't even in the realm of your practical no. living situation. No. And and my mom's funny because the first thing she says is like, you guys will get used to it. Like, you know, it's a big house. But she's like, but don't get too used to it because you might have to leave one day. <laughs> you, <know>? <laughs> <laughs> you have to downsize. So I'm like, great. Like, it just feels like there are so many possibilities with the house. Um, But then in order to like stay on budget and to be wise with it, like you can't live lavishly every day. Like, and by lavish, I mean like turning on all the lights and the heater. Like, you know, you, we have to really figure out how this house will work with our budget. Cause it's like outside of it for sure. Also talking about that, I feel a great immense amount of pressure when I move into a new space because I want to feel at home immediately. Yeah. And you, because this space is so big thinking about shelling out all that money to make you feel at home this makes you feel as if you're in here for the long run because once you invest all that money in, yeah, then you, you, why leave? Exactly. And so I think right now the plan is to stay here for at least two years, but mm. I'm, you know, I think we're open to staying longer if it works out, but right. it has been really, really weird with my mom as a landlord and she and I have a pretty complicated relationship and mm. I love her very much. But we tend to just rub each other the wrong way, you know, and um, I've been talking to my my life coach about it. It's just kind of like one of those things where it's like, I don't want living here to ruin our relationship. Right. You know, but at the same time, like and Abe is like, you know, this is something Abe and I have talked about a lot. It's just like we are a couple like we are the unit. And Mm -hmm. so it has to work well for the two of us first, you know? And so that's been hard because I'm so used to being like Xiaoxun and like anything my parents tell me, I should just do it. And anything like that they aren't happy with, I should not do. Um, But instead it's like, Hey, this is me and Abe. This is the life we're building together. And in order to make this space work for us, you know, we had to like not make demands, but like be very clear with our boundaries. And also what your roles are. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's always tough with a pair. 
parent. It's really, really tough. Like my mom ended up in tears after a couple of conversations where, you know, we were just asking for even just to ask for the house to be empty was a big ask because she was like, no, it's like furnished. We just had a lot of misunderstandings. We had a lot of push and pull. Um, But I think it's it's definitely like Abe and I learning to and and I think me being put in this position where I'm kind of between um, just realizing like I'm not between them. Me and Abe are one unit and mm-hmm. then we're talking to my parents, but it's complicated. No matter how hard you try, there isn't a right way yeah. to say it. No, sometimes. No, even no. if you try. Your yeah. Best. And you don't I don't want to hurt my mom. But at right. the same time, I need to assert my independence. So. Anyway, like I'm sure we'll show you more of the house, like on um, our definitely social like, media. Put, put it on your social media. I did a little like cribs thing, like for just a little bit because I got so overwhelmed and I ran out of footage data because there's like <laughs> not enough room on my camera to, to to record the whole freaking house. But you know, we are in the burbs, so space makes sense. And I think what I want to do is just I've switched my kind of perspective to just like, why don't we appreciate the space and do our best in it you know to honor the space to appreciate the space to enjoy the space so right now we still have like blue tape on the floor trying to figure out where we're going to put furniture like a lot of the house is still really empty it's still definitely it's maybe 40 percent done right um but it is it's a space that we want to continue carving out to just really appreciate what's here and so that comes with a huge congratulations, Prisca. Congrats Thanks, to you and Abe for coming to this new spot. I am moving in. I didn't, I mean, I joked about it, but I'm actually kind of serious. I didn't know you were going to bring so. movers today. No, it's great. I, can you hear them guys on the, no, okay. Okay. They're pretty quiet. No, no, no. Abe's isolated the room really well. But thanks, Roxy. You're our first like retreat artist guest. Of course. Yeah. If there was anybody else I'd besides me being a pioneer yeah, of this would experience. Kill them. I would just like the way that I would kill. Just kidding. Just uh, the way, I know. That's a perfect Speaking segue. Of killing, <laughs> no spoilers. No spoilers. We're definitely not going to give any spoilers. Zero. I freaking love this movie. I watched a movie called Promising Young Woman Ooh. by um I think Emerald Fennel, and mm-hmm. she show ran a season of Killing Eve. I love that dark humor, love. violent Ooh. sort of mix yes. with very feminist rage, Ooh, like, and a good twist on a revenge genre. Yes. Yeah, very so, good twist. What did you think without spoilers? I. I really, really enjoyed it. I think Carrie Mulligan is like the light on earth. You know what I mean? I, I think she her. could do no wrong. Yes. And she's uh, honestly, I mean, her American accent was perfect. I mean, from moment to moment, she just had such intense focus. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Her, uh, the way she played that character and committed to it so genuinely was um, incredible. For me, like, I think what Roxy and I were talking about just before we started recording was just, it's sad that this movie had to be made, yeah. but we live in a society where we needed a film like this. And it's honestly telling a lot of truths. I think the film is really, really well done. I think there are like moments where it's like tonally a little bit inconsistent and whether or not that was intentional or not, it doesn't always carry through. Um, Like, you know, with the silk dress, it should look like it's not been sewn, but I feel like for this, you can kind of see what they were trying to do. Um, And some things were really successful and some things were maybe less successful. Um, But other than that, I think Carrie is amazing. I think the structure of the film is is amazing. I think you will be surprised over and over. Um, And I think by the end of it, 
it gives a good ultimate picture of the reality of our situation. It's a very decisive, uh, divisive ending for a lot of audiences. Interesting. Okay, yeah. tell me about that. So I didn't hear about hear that. Basically, I mean, uh, there's spoilers here. So if you haven't seen the movie and you want to skip, skip thirty like seconds, thirty seconds, uh, more like ten minutes, uh, <laughs> just skip ahead a little bit. Yeah. So originally, Emerald wanted to end the movie after she died. Oh, oh, oh. And okay. that is very, very, very dark. That would have felt real dirty. That would have felt like no payoff. Yeah. And, yeah. and in, sadly to say, the reality of the circumstance probably would have ended there. What, why I wanted to talk about this movie today, especially for this topic about toxic relationships in general, in a way, I think Carrie Mulligan's character self sabotages herself mm-hmm. uh, continuously because she's hanging on to something. Granted, it's justified because of her loyalty and dedication to her friend. Honestly, if something like that happened to me, I expect you to do exactly oh, what she did. I was thinking that yeah. the whole time. Yeah, I was like, okay, I understand this. You know what yes. I mean? In fact, the more they tried to explain the female relationship, the more I was kind of like, it's d- deeper than that. It's I don't know. Deeper yeah. Than that, and I don't think it needed explaining. But what struck me the most about this movie was the theme of everybody wanting to think that they're the nice guy. Mm. And we always ask ourselves, oh, but is he a nice guy? Are you dating a nice guy? Oh, but he's a nice guy. We just don't agree. And um, mm. no matter what it is that we've done in the past, like, I think people cannot live with themselves yeah. uh, in the present time if they don't somehow rewrite the narrative of what they've done in the past. Interesting. And one of the most triggering moments is after that very intense death scene is when Schmidt goes up to the friend and says, it's not your fault. Right. And um, his friend, even though he knows that he's purely guilty, be like, yes, it's not my fault. Yeah. Echoing. So quickly. So Within quickly. the span of 20 seconds. Exactly. So I think this movie, what it did for me and why it resonated and stayed with me for so long was that self-reflection of asking yourself are you a good person mm. and through what lens wow and are you able to own to what you did because the thing about the whole me too movement was mm-hmm. that we like to think that people can change yeah but what's the ultimate reckoning of if you've truly changed can you acknowledge what you've done in the past because right? it seemed like her character all she wanted to see was true remorse exactly and that was enough for her if she could see you truly be remorseful she would take out her teeth almost. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So anyways, um, let us know what you guys think of the movie. If you have watched it, I think it's probably one of the most powerful things I've seen in a while. And um, it's a movie that I, that just has stayed with me um, ever since I first watched it. How do you feel about like, you know, the whole concept of going to a bar, the duplicitousness mm-hmm. of what she was doing of a quote unquote fooling these men? Yeah, it's interesting, right? It's like she's actually going to the bar to pick them up. Yeah, exactly, right? exactly. And then, um, and then if she has her own sort of, what is it, vigilante? Mm-hmm. It's sort of like a vigilante sort of um, journey that she's on in order right. to do that. And I kind of think it's awesome to be to be completely honest because the first guy that she takes back, we're like, oh, that's the nice guy. Right. And then when when you realize that he's still taking advantage of her and he goes, oh, no, trust me, I'm a nice. And I love know? Adam Brody. And I was I like, know, no, I know. I know. And she's like, what are you doing? Like, there's a part of me that felt triumphant because we've all sort of had had a similar experience, whether or not it's exactly the way it's presented in yeah. the movie, mm-hmm. where we're taking advantage of when we're vulnerable. Right. Even Bo Burnham's character. Yo. Where like, you were like, he's so charming. He is such a nice guy and all these oh, things. he's so romantic. He's so sweet. Yeah. First of all, he's 
you know, complicit with a lot of things. Right. Um, and second of all, once she does break up with him, he does that classic quote unquote nice guy thing of like lashing out yeah. really like seriously. And yeah. that was like, ah, oh, that hurt so much. And I think you're right. It landed very, very true. You know, and that's what was hard about that. It's it so like, hard. You don't want them to be that. And then you could tell that he was literally trying his best to see it. Like he almost told the truth when yeah. a police officer came and he had the chance. And he chose not to. Yeah. And that's what's heartbreaking about this movie was the fact that, I don't know, there's two there's two sides of every person and our true nature. Sometimes you can't you can't know what it is like just looking at the present and into the future without looking into the past. Hence, of course, romantic relationships. Right. You're getting to see everybody as, and encapsulating them from like their 360 point of view. Right. Right. And are totally. you able to accept that? And are able to, you know, work on yourself. I think, you know, now I was just thinking about it. I'm I'm coming up on eight years with my husband, Abe, right? Mm. We've been married for two and we were oh together God, for time a long time. Like we're, what, seven and a half years in from when we started dating. Yeah. And the thing is, like, it's a really fine line sometimes because relationships that are long are really tough, you know? Yeah. And Abe has grown and I've grown and there are ways that I was immature and there's way he, ways he was immature. And so there's a fine line between fighting for that which mm -hmm. i fully agree uh, like i fully agree that you need to like fight and learn and grow together versus when that difficulty veers into toxic romantic relationship traits right and it's like even even setting up our 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 outline today i was like this is really difficult to distinguish between the two and even though i'm in a healthy relationship we have really really tough rough patches right. you know there are toxic elements of that but it, it's not the same as when you're in like an abusive toxic relationship you know what i think the core is though is self-awareness mm. that's we all fuck up yeah and we all repeat patterns but right. i think the difference between going through challenges together is recognizing where you need the work right and being open with your partner about mm. it like the the opposite side where it's truly toxic is igno deflecting ignoring that just like the movie deflecting the truth of what happened yeah. deflecting the nature of it absolutely um, but yeah anyways love yeah. this movie tell us your thoughts write us hello at two horny ghosts.com hello 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh um well roxy like how are you doing before we dive into all this how what's going on with your life tell us things oh my gosh i feel like it's it's been like what two weeks since we three weeks since we recorded our last it was like episode. the day after christmas <laughs> yeah yes, so it's it was, it was still yeah like it was like year. so yeah <laughs> like as we were editing the the podcast episodes we were like oh my god like january 6th happened then the inauguration happened we we're like oh my god and then priscilla's moving all the way to chino yeah. i was like this is this is all kind of intense so this yes. is the first time that we're truly catching up it's been really wonderful but also very confusing um the energy has been very strange okay um i don't know if you felt it probably uh ever since the inauguration yeah uh on a collective level but i personally am doing great uh in my little life of mine uh mira mira has released on Woo! facebook watch please go check that out where yes. can people watch it when can people watch it it's only on facebook that watch. should be your unsolicited pick I'm not going to talk about my Okay, then it's going to be show. my unsolicited pick. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> I'm like, um, let me just talk about myself. I mean. And just myself, uh, self-promoting here. I mean. Um, very happy with, um, we're doing my final mix for the, 
uh, last two episodes oh on God. Tuesday. Congrats. Thank you. And I'm just like, wow, I completed like a full series during the pandemic. And, and guys, every episode so far that's been released has surpassed a million views. Yeah. Okay. She was not going to toot her horn. So toot toot. I'm going to toot <laughs> it for you. Every episode has surpassed three uh, a million views. Yes. All each. three of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's been incredible. And um, I'm just thrilled that people have their eyes on it. The producers are very happy with it. And I just feel very complete. And even my composer wrote me like a violin solo oh my God. for like the last cue in That's the so score. Thoughtful. It is so sweet. And like she wrote um, on the on this, uh, what is it? The sheet music. She wrote to Roxy with love. And oh uh, it was like, uh, it, it's just been such a beautiful journey making this. I'm so glad I say yes to this project. And it's ending soon. Oh, you know? wow. Yeah. It's so. like another chapter ticked. Another chapter ticked. Wish. Wow. Um, so Getting I'm really ready happy to turn with that. the page. Yes, you know saying, honey. Dog ear it, but turn the page. <laughs> you know, don't want to forget. It's a huge accomplishment. It was my biggest budget that I've done. And I got to collaborate on a very different level with, um, you know, the a sort of a studio sort of setup. And it's been a really crazy schedule process it's been yeah. very intense but it's been so fucking rewarding and then just like thinking about you know my next movie that i'm doing yes. which i am excited to talk about but i'm not allowed to talk about okay. yet okay but um it's coming up uh we're doing production in a week and a half or yes a week and a half i'm just so thrilled i feel like i can't talk about it but like the actors that i got in this Ooh. movie are yes. insane yes it's so crazy i mean roxy told me off. yeah i told sorry <laughs> but it is gonna it's just it's the next step it's the next step up Rox. it is it's just you you continue to grow and i know last episode we talked about how like oh p some people have this like myth of like oh your first film needs to be all yeah. these things but it's like fuck that dude yeah. you've been doing this now for like what eight years yeah. and you're growing and and it ought to continue on it's up so you know wonderful. what i mean it's so <laughs> surreal and the feeling doesn't go away like fuck. this feeling of feeling humbled a feeling appreciative of feeling like um, every time it's like cracking open a new egg. Oh I don't gosh. know why I just thought of that, but you know, like yes. a beautiful egg with like a deep orange yes. yolk, like Ooh. the high quality oh organic yes. type. Talk the dirty super, to me. Yes. Yeah. Super flavorful oh, egg yolk. Like sometimes the double oh. yolk is inside. Yeah. Then oh you're my like, God. oh then my God. Then you're really fucking fortunate. Then you know you're ready. Yeah. You're ready. So then after this, um, then I'm going to Toronto for a month and a half oh for um, this new anthology series. So I'll be there through the end of April. So, Shit. like, my life for 2021 has been planned up until that point. Oh, my God. And, so um, we're going to be potting from yeah, Toronto. remotely again. Wow. Yeah. So you're going to be like, about the hoose? And I'm yeah, like, oh, about the my hoose. God, you're Let's changed. eat some poutine. <laughs> uh, get the boot. <laughs> and I'll be so and, much nicer. I like, know. so much oh nicer my God. than I am now. You're going to be so, and, like eating donuts for some reason. And I'm like not snarky at all. No, no. You just dry sarcasm. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's going to be your bag. Not even that. I'm just so polite. I'm just so <laughs> sorry, polite. Sorry, sorry. So sorry. sorry. I'll be overly apologetic about everything. I know. I know. I'm ready. You guys ready for 200 Goats Takes Toronto? I'm just going to fly there. Oh my God. Yes, please. I'm just going to go. Yeah. Come um, and then, um, you know, we'll just be hang out with Justin Trudeau, who yeah. is like super handsome. Because that's love what him. we do. That's we just we hang do. out with politicians. <laughs> we have a rule on this uh, podcast of for, for, for our interviews. It's Michelle Obama or yes. above. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. So, so yeah. we so know that uh, we have a couple people that uh, want to come on our pod Barack together. Is out. <laughs> like, um, yeah. So just make sure you're of that caliber. Yeah, just yeah, kidding. Yeah, we yeah, we yeah, love all of you guys. So, 
last week, one of my unsolicited picks was the movie Soul from Pixar, which is fantastic and, and really incredible. Yeah, we all cheered about it last week. Oh, I, and I still love it. I mean, mm-hmm. I've seen it maybe like four or five times now because it's right. just a well done, well executed, multi-layered movie. Um, but I did read uh, an article in The New Yorker that I really, really enjoyed. And we'll post that in the show notes. Um, but it was just about how this might be an unintentional example of a moralization of blackface. It's interesting. And the article kind of goes on to say that the ideal for a mainstream audience, which AKA is white. um, The ideal is for a white soul to be within a black body to redeem this black person. Mm. Right. And this is complicated, right? Because I think that there can be two readings of this film. I think if you are, aware and you're aware of the external world of the film in which Tina Fey has had some racially charged gaffes in the past few years, right? Then you can definitely read the film as this middle-aged white woman who inhabits this black body and then um, basically almost makes light of some of the burdens of a black body Mm -hmm. um, and kind of inhabits a black body, quote unquote, better than he did like when, when he's in the barber's chair and she knows how to talk and like inspire everyone around right. her. You know, that was really complicated. And then when she steals his body, that's a really complicated lens to see as well. If you're yes. looking at it as a middle-aged white woman stealing a black body. And then at the, at the beginning of the body switching story, the black body is used for laughs. It is literally used as a rag doll. And so it, there's a history in Disney, there's a history in film in general, um, you know, aside from all the social issues surrounding this, there's, there is a history within Disney itself. And it's complicated to extricate that history and what's go, what happens to Tina Fey outside of the film. It's hard to extricate that from the film itself. But I think if you just within the world of the film itself, it's a little bit uncomfy, those body swapping scenes, but it's not as problematic as when you read it with this knowledge of the history of Disney and Pixar and the history of, of Tina Fey. It really is a shame, isn't it? Yeah. It just reminds us like we loved soul when Mm -hmm. it came out because we haven't had a good movie come out in 2020 that made us feel like that. Exactly. Um, but at the same time, you bring up this article and bring up this topic Mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense. And I honestly think filmmakers should be smarter at yeah. this point now, you know, because you're looking at Mulan, right? Mm-hmm. There's John, John Smith, right? Yeah. That like comes and colonizes. It's always about the or colonization. Pocahontas. What did I say? Mulan. Oh, I'm so sorry. She's still Shit. mad about Mulan. Guys. <laughs> I actually was going to say Mulan next. Because oh, yeah. then Mushu. Yes. You know, with yeah. Eddie Murphy. Mm-hmm. And then he, of course, uses a black culture to infiltrate that character sure, as well. Sure. So it's like, uh, sorry, I would say Pocahontas and Mulan. And it just really sucks, yeah, you know? Yeah. And like, why can't anything just be portrayed authentically? That's exactly part of, I think, what they were talking about was it's not for lack of effort on Pixar's part, right? Pixar, they had a director. They added another co-director who's black. Right. They had a cultural um, team that was supposed to, you know what I mean? Like, right. get the barbershop right. Get the mom's, like, tailor shop right. All of those things. But at its very core, this character didn't start off being black. This character started, could he be white? Could he be black? Oh, okay, I guess he's black. And oh, what could he do? Oh, he could do this. He could do that. Oh, right. I guess he could be a jazz musician. So it, I think that I'm not blaming them. You know what I'm saying? I don't think it's that it was for a lack of effort. It's just like, it's so tough because 
even when we're trying to solve for our own biases, we are still met with our blind spots. And it's crazy because this sort of ties in to the topic for our next episode, which is representation. True. Right? Yeah. Because that the whole part of like, oh, better the betterment of a physical body through the voice of another colonizing identity like at the end like they could argue to be like okay well tina face character is genderless and it's also colorless and ageless and ageless right like that would be the argument but it can't you can't take away the fact yeah that it is so i think where we're meeting right now is like we appreciate the effort we appreciate the film it's a great film right Mm -hmm. like but there are blind spots, right? And and you and I as creators, we have our own blind spots. So oh, 100%. like it's 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 really not a condemnation, but I think for me one of the big things was I felt a passing moment of discomfort and I shoved it aside just as quick. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying when she landed in his black body, I felt a moment of like, well, is this blackface? Like, you know what I mean? Um I don't even think I thought those words specifically, but just in like reading there that. There was that discomfort. There was though. a moment of discomfort, yeah. but it was also just as quickly condoned. Also, it's like you didn't see this in the trailer. Right. No, you didn't. You yeah. didn't see this. Like this was sort of a moment that happened as you're watching the movie. Right. And so you're unprepared for it. Mm. And the moment that it comes, you're just like, wait a second. I did not expect this to go here. But we've also been conditioned mm-hmm. to just like accept. But also at the same time to counter all of this. Yeah. We just deserve to have entertainment without, you know, it's just like a perspective on the on the movie. And sometimes I'm wondering like, you know being content creators right. or being comedians and like being woke and like being careful about what you say now mm-hmm. also it's like how much can we say and how much do we have to police ourselves to speak honestly too because you're saying they did everything yeah right yeah so it's just a very complicated very matter. complicated because it, it's i think that they got the details really, really right. I think they worked really hard to get the details right. Right. But the systemic issues are still there and those were not necessarily dealt with. You know what I'm saying? So Mm. that's complicated. I think it's fine to include a joke about taxis catching a cab in a black body. But at the same time, it's like you have to understand the implications of what it does to put a white soul into a black body. Yeah. And I feel like this is definitely traversing into the topic for our next, next episode, episode. Also, because there's like so much that I want to dive into. Yes. I'm like, wait a second, that's for the next episode. <laughs> well, tune in next week. <laughs> tune in next week. But um, thank you so much for sharing that, Prisca. Um, so we're going to dive into our first topic for hey. I, I know all of you have been waiting for this because we did touch upon toxic relationships in season one. We talked about toxic friendships yes. which is something we don't feel like is broached as publicly or discussed as openly um every you know in our normal lives but this is something that i feel a lot of people like to talk about which is toxic romantic relationships mm-hmm. so let's talk about codependency okay. and red flags okay um so codependency red flags i just want to read a couple of things and this is just from you know a quick google but um just reading what a dependent relationship looks like which is according to psychology, healthier versus codependent. Mm. Um, Okay, so dependent. Two people rely on each other for support and love. Both find value in the relationship. Codependent. The codependent person feels worthless unless they are needed by and making drastic sacrifices for the enabler. The enabler gets satisfaction from getting their every need met by the other person. 
Um, the codependent is only happy when making extreme sacrifices for the partner. They feel they must be needed by this other person in order to have a purpose. Mm. I'm going to read like maybe two more and then, and then I'll stop. But these are, I found these pretty interesting. Dependent. Both parties make their relationship a priority, but can find joy in outside interests, other friends, and hobbies. Codependent. The codependent has no personal identity, interests, or values outside of their codependent relationship. Mm. Oof. Oof. Oh, shit. Yeah, the striking a chord. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, last one. Dependent. Both people can express their emotions and needs and find ways to make the relationship beneficial for both of them. Codependent. One person feels that their desires and needs are unimportant and will not express themselves. They may have difficulty recognizing their own feelings or needs at all. How did it feel like hearing some of those? Oof. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, geez. What, what, what's running through your mind uh, right now? Lots running through my mind. And um, actually, a conversation I had with my partner recently mm-hmm. brought this up as you're saying these definitions. Because I like to think that I've gotten over my codependent tendencies. I like to think that I worked on it through my relationship journey to where I am at this point. I like to think that I'm communicative. I like to think that I put myself first. I like to think that not first, but like that I work for equal partnership. And, um, recently, you know, John and I have been seeing each other for almost a year now. And, uh, recently he, we, we have this thing where I like my freedom a lot Mm -hmm. and he respects that. And we could go a couple of days without talking and that's completely normal. You know, like we love each other. I give him his space. He gives me mine, but he would always touch base with me once every couple of days sure he would always ping me you know he would check up on me and i have a problem sometimes because mm-hmm. i don't you know me i don't right. really reach out that much yeah i would think about the person but i well you're just fully absorbed wherever you are is where you are <laughs> yeah you and know i get i get really caught up in things and uh that's something that i'm working on mm-hmm. um and then it's been like a week and a half since he last spoke to me and i wow. thought it was a break in his pattern and when i see a break in patterns my my red flag meter goes up and i go oh my god what's wrong oh wow and then like i went on his social media he hasn't posted oh. and i was like oh He's my dead. god is he okay is he dead <laughs> i know but girls always think they're dead always think they're dead but then the the other part of me even though we are in a poly relationship and mm. he's free to date other people and i trust him completely um i just had a fear of abandonment oh, like just come shit. out of nowhere and shit. it's triggered by you know um this online dating yeah. which i'll talk into a little bit where it's made us so insecure the ghosting all of that mm. and i'm like oh my god he's ghosting me and then so I took initiative mm-hmm. for the first time, <laughs> but no, I mean, I'm a lot better now. And I said, Hey, how are you? I haven't heard from you in a while. He immediately got back and he said, Hey, like he called me. He's like, I've been moving and I got a new job. And like, there's oh. all this stuff that happened. And, and he was very excited and he's like, Hey, I missed you. You know? And my whole thing was, if so much happened, why didn't you share it with me? Right. And he said, Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry. Oh, he wow. said, I'm so sorry. I didn't think that, you know, he didn't, think that I would care that much but I do you know because he always cares about me and I want to show that I care about him right and it took a lot out of me because I actually pull away a lot like I would not confront the issue I have a hard time I'm a Libra moon (laughs) I have a very hard time with confrontation actually in romantic relationships 
And I decided to speak up and I said, I felt this way. I felt like you were disappearing. And he goes, oh, honey, I would never do that. Right. Mm -hmm. He goes, I would never do that to you. I would never disappear on you. He goes, thank you for telling me this and thank you for not giving up on us. And he's like, this way I can work on us, Yeah, you know, and I can make it better. And he, and I'm like, yeah, and I can make it better too. Yeah. Like, tell me what you need. And so now it's been so much like you could definitely see the work and we're falling more in love. Like, Aww. you know, and I was like, wow, Roxy, we look at where your mind went. Yeah. And then I was making up all these things in my head. I yeah. was assuming all these things and uh, it's triggered by past experiences. Wow. Wow. Of, of feeling abandoned of, uh, and I can see, like, I think that's so huge that you're someone who needs affirmation and mm -hmm. instead of getting upset that you weren't getting affirmed and, you know, acting however from there, you yeah. know, but just really coming in and being like, Hey, I need affirmation. Like what's going on? Like yeah. I'm hurt here. Yeah. What's going on instead of assuming and then reacting according to that assumption. Totally. And you know that I've been so independent my whole life and yeah. it's something that I pride myself on, but also if it's a relationship, I need to also feel taken care of. Right. And, um, and I also want to feel like I'm taking care of my partner. Right. Um, and so I'm just so glad we did that. And he's so wonderful. Like, I just think he's, I'm, we're, we're learning and growing so much together. And so, you're finding ways to be dependent and not codependent because that anxiety, it seems like it was dissipated through direct communication, yes. which is crazy because I think when we were in our twenties, a lot of times when we would talk about relationships, it just seemed like there's like a, a cloud of mystery over everything. Yeah. Why is he doing this? Why? Yeah. Like maybe we're meant for something, whatever. Yeah, we're just guessing. It, it, we're just fucking guessing. Instead of just talking about exactly. it. And I'm exactly. like, it's so much easier to talk about it rather than driving myself into this like yeah. spin hole. Yeah. Of <laughs> like half of my of girlfriends wondering. who are in their twenties, like half of it half of the conversations we have, I'm like, well, have you talked to him? Well, should you should talk to him. Well, why don't you talk to him? You know what I mean? It's like, it's so funny because I do remember being in my later twenties and I was like assuming and like thinking all these things, you know what I mean? But it's like, well, why don't you just have a conversation? It seems so simple now. And it's like insane because a lot of my tarot clients, when Ooh. they ask about romantic relationships, instead of just asking, they seek the divine for answers. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah. You have to do the work. It doesn't come to you out of nowhere. You need to make the effort. Yeah. Everything starts from you. It's true. It's It's just wild. Like exactly in line to what you're saying people are so afraid of what they might hear and they would rather be in a position where they're left not knowing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, I think, you know, I, like we talked about a little earlier, it's like love is a lot of hard work. And I do think some people want it to be um, ordained by the divine yeah. so that like it gives them purpose. It gives them, you know, but love is a choice. It is a choice. Falling in love is not always a choice, but who you decide to build a life with, who you decide to, you know, have an ongoing relationship with, that is a choice. And yes. that is a choice you have to make over and over. Exactly. And there's maybe the divine gets involved. Who knows? I don't know what Cupid's up to these days, you know, but like <laughs> he's shooting his arrow all over the yeah. fucking place, but they're all missing at the <laughs> same time. <laughs> but like, you know, I think it's important to to recognize that it, that we have 
autonomy as human beings too, you know, to make that choice to continue to love. Um, but okay. So let's go, let's back it up a little bit. I, I have the honor of knowing a few of the people that you've had long-term relationships with. Mm -hmm. Um, what were some maybe like codependent traits that you didn't recognize back then? Okay. So we are all brought up in, I don't know. I think how we define love is defined by the landscape in which we grew up in. Okay. Your mom and dad's relationship is a huge indicator of how you define romantic yeah, love to be. Right. So my, what were your parents, my like? parents very much love each other. Like it's very oh. sweet. They're college sweethearts. However, really? yeah, they're college oh sweethearts. My gosh. So how'd they meet? Like were they they're introduced like by friends? Stop yeah. it. <laughs> Stop it. They're okay. dormants. My dad knew she was the one I mean, immediately. Your mom's hot. Yeah. My mom's super fucking hot. Yeah. <laughs> and so he like swooned her, Aye. you know, like, and then my dad was like, you know, he's a social butterfly. Yep, yeah. Kind of like the playboy Get him vibe. on the karaoke mic, dude. Oh my God. My dad's fucking charming. Yes. But my mother also had like a couple suitors pursuing oh, her. I'm sure. And my dad was just like, out of the way. She's <laughs> mine, you out know. Out of the line. So, and then my dad's like, yeah, I'm like super nerdy because of his huge glasses and he's like but i want her over with my jokes you know and i I thought that was so cute yeah my dad's got jokes he's very charming yeah and then um so but what i did see from their relationship was because of us moving around and my mom being a housewife and you know my mom having this she will never admit this i think but she always felt that she because it sort of correlates with our next episode as well. Like she's never the main character in her story. Like she's here to serve, but not to live. So it's like, it's always what my dad decides, but this comes to being in a patriarchal environment, you know, and feeling like the woman has to be the one married into the, um, the man's family, being a wife, being of service. So she would break her back washing dishes, you know, like cleaning the house and like doing all the wifely things and being a mom, um, she would bend herself over backwards. Sometimes I could tell she really wants to speak up and make a point. And my dad would be like, Oh, don't say that. And then she'll bite her lip and not fight it anymore. And I could see her frustrated, not being able to communicate in a healthy way. Hmm. So I felt like this is how it's supposed to be. Wow. And so like the man was ultimately supposed to kind of dictate how the relationship dynamic was uh, a little bit. Yeah. But then Mm -hmm. I think when my relationship with Greg, he wasn't like, you know, an alpha, which Mm -hmm. was really wonderful because I he, you know, allowed me to really determine the rules of the house and set how, you know, he was so supportive and so wonderful. Um, But afterwards, you know, I dated a lot of different types of people. I dated this Gen Xer who is very much like almost like my way the highway yeah Yeah, of values he knows everything you know he's a lot older than me i also met someone who wanted to use me like it's so weird i would date these people Mm. and you know on tinder or like on these dating apps they don't really know you yeah and then for me because i'm a boss ass bitch and i don't really put that like (laughs) on my profile or anything but it's something you don't i thought that'd be like no i'm like very humble you know and they're just like oh there's this like crazy girl with like you know color you know why it's because i haven't gifted you the boss ass bitch t-shirt <laughs> yet but once you have it then that should be your tinder profile pic but i think like a lot of these people who dated me especially men it's yeah. like they date me they get to know me and they're like oh wait a second she is not to be fucked with oh, like this right. is a woman that i end up respecting then the table shift a little bit either in a way where they're just like afraid of telling me how they really feel oh, okay. or like there's a emasculating sort of like 
uh, aspect to it that they don't feel manly enough and after they lash out me. or uh they just um they don't lash out they oh. can't lash out at me Ooh. because they're afraid of me wow. you know what i mean so it's like a sub dom it is a little bit but i'm not you know me no. like i'm not like that and so they almost feel like they can't like i remember one of them <laughs> he would tell me most of them are like this where they're just like oh yeah i'll tell you how it is and this is what it's like and oh, blah blah, blah and this is how things are and then they get to know me they see me working they come Jeez. visit me on set or whatever and they're like holy shit what the fuck wow. who the fuck am i dealing with and then they become different and i'm like why are you acting differently because they see me as somebody who's who's like i would make myself smaller yeah wow like i would i would be the nurturer i would be i would speak softly and Mm. they don't see that and they're like oh i'm probably gonna get fucked over once she truly allows herself to be herself and so it's like they see it more clearly than i do because my habit was making myself small and still to this day i don't really think i've ever met someone who's like truly like a match for yeah, me yeah in that aspect. like you're like, equal yeah mm-hmm. um and i'm not saying that in a, in a bad way guys like i'm saying it in terms of like energy yeah you know and so then um it's just interesting when they feel like they can't par up right like they become so different mm. and then they're just like i gotta leave because i feel like she would make me feel like number two interesting after a while because she has so many priorities and it's almost like an insecurity like it's an I'll insecurity never be. thing that comes out but they also don't ghost me like they start respecting me but in a way like for me strangely i just feel like i don't know how to see myself in the relationship interesting wow so you kind of bow down to these potentially codependent traits even though that's like not even where you're at. It's exactly. just like a, ha- like it's a, a habit. Habitual. I become right. codependent. Wow. And, um, and you know me, it's yeah. like, I would make this, I make decisions every single day. And then when I'm with my romantic partner, I become smaller because I'm like, you can make the decisions. Right. Like, you do that. You know, like, Oh, that's nice. Is it like, different when you're in a relationship with women? Hmm, I will say, and maybe this has to do with my fear. Mm. And this goes into a much larger conversation of, I love women and I think my relationships with women are very different. I feel afraid to take on a serious relationship with a woman Mm. for the sake of my family. And I'm eccentric. My parents are so radical. They are really doing their best. Like, I think they listen to me and Jaws relationship because, you know, Jaws married. He's yeah. about to have a baby and with his amazing wife, Victoria, mm-hmm. I fucking yeah. love her. <laughs> and I asked my parents if they would be open to meeting him. Right. And they said they can't. Mm-hmm. But honestly, the fact that I can talk about, you know, me going on a date with him or like us spending time together and my parents nodding and they don't you know, lecture, they don't lecture. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a huge step for them. Yeah. And that's enough for now. But is it enough for you? I think I'm very, I am very happy right yeah. now. Like that is not something that I doubt. Mm-hmm. But. And if you really fell in love with a woman, I think. I think it would be fine. But there's a part of me that's resisting. Mm. And I Shit. think when I meet her, if I meet her one day, like mm-hmm. that'll be great because you haven't met all the people that you will love yet. No. You know? Yeah. Like our lives are still very young yeah. in retrospect. Mm-hmm. And I just think that I really do love polyamory just because I feel like it fits me and who I am as a person and how I see love. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but there's just so much more to discover about myself still. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And even as we're talking about this today, it's like what I've learned in the past and all of that has led to how I am now in my relationships. So it's like dealing with narcissists, Mm. You know, I mean, you've dealt with a narcissist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The love bombing. Yeah. And then like what, the gaslighting. Can you explain what love bombing kind of looks like? Because I think that's um, not so familiar. Like not, not, I'm not as familiar with it either. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's when somebody who you start dating just mm-hmm. starts like showering you with compliments. Oof. Oh my gosh. You're so different. Oh yeah. my gosh. I never felt this. Not like the it. other girls. You're not like the <laughs> other girls, but it's like happening so quickly. Right. And you're just like this person barely knows yeah. me but you feel so um what is it swept up uh-huh. by their attention yeah right yeah. and then it's like and then suddenly you have eyes just like oh. for this person so then your affection to them it, like it's convenient for them right, right they right, could right. come and go as they please interesting so they basically have you on, on a hook. hook so it's like what you're talking about it creates a codependent aspect got to you it. Cause because they'll disappear when they want you mm-hmm. and they'll love bomb you when they're when you're well, back and then they'll smother you with right it. And, and then so you're like you oh i was leave. crazy you, yeah and then you chain yourself right it's so interesting yeah. i i um <laughs> It's like Pavlovian. Pav- it's Pavlovian. Yeah. And um, we're having a different setup with the tarot um, aspect today because I am at Prisca's house. But the the card that comes up for today's episode is so resonating with this aspect of codependency, feeling oh. chained. Wow. You can't ever get away. Oh you gosh. have to feed them what they need at their time. And then when you want to vocalize your needs to a narcissist, they go, sure. you're just, oh, no, honey, that's just being crazy. You oh, know, right. like, they'll just yeah. deflect. They'll just sweep it off of their shoulders. The gaslighting, the gaslighting, the brainwashing is fucking insane. Yeah. So that's basically a general definition of Mm -hmm. it. So love bombing is giving you all that attention, taking it away. So you're lusting for it. You're thirsting for it. And you're kept, your mind is like completely You're always in the lurch. You're always like uh, feeling a little bit of emptiness. Yes. And then when they come back and shower you with love, then you're like, oh, I guess something's wrong with me. It's an addiction. It's an addiction, my strange addiction. It's, a, it's this fucking strange ass addiction. Yeah. I yeah. mean, um, and there's a lot because uh, I recently have somehow stumbled onto heartbreak TikTok. <laughs> I love finding new corners of TikTok. But yes, tell me about heartbreak TikTok. What is like the thematics? It's so sad. Like really? it's basically these all these beautiful girls like beginning their hearts broken by men that they invested their time or interest oh in goodness. on the internet. And uh, I think the pandemic has definitely changed the way we use our apps. So yes. everyone's on TikTok, you know, just like yes. sharing their experiences and our society and internet, I believe have poisoned the simplicity of romantic love. Love is really not that complicated, but the internet in our environment has made it so. Yeah. And I heard, I heard recently a story about how people in New York are trying to find their winter, um, mm-hmm. which is something that happens like apparently every year in New York where it's like you want to find someone to do winter with. Oh, yeah. To snuggle up. With yeah. Like cuffing cold. season. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then now because of the quarantine, people are just trying to find their winter all year round just to quarant- like finding this person to, to do COVID with. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so convenient it's, partner. <laughs> exactly. It's like yeah. it, all of a sudden these women are getting like crazy love bombed. And like after one or two dates, they're like, 
let's be exclusive. And yeah. she's like, you don't even know my middle name. Like right. what's going on? And her friend was like, oh yeah, guys out here trying to find their winter, you know, oh. trying to like oh, interesting. Boot, get you boot up real quick. So they have someone uh, for the convenience of going through like this lonely season. I never co- heard of that before. I've heard yeah. of cuffing season, but not like finding your winter. This like- is the first time I heard it, I think. Yeah. And I think it's big in Chicago, anywhere where it's like, you know, got like a really crazy like snowbird season. So um, I don't blame them. Yeah. It would yeah. be nice to have someone to spoon with. Right. the big spoon <laughs> like i have some single friends who've done covid completely alone haven't dated haven't gone anywhere like, how is their mental health not great yeah i mean it's it, we need physical touch we need human touch and like i was talking to my husband the other day and, and he was like you know i'm getting old like i'm forgetting words i'm forgetting all this and i'm like you know <laughs> there are parts of your brain that starts to atrophy when you're not social like even if even though he's an introvert being in a social environment having to engage even casually socially helps keep keep your brain healthy that's yes. why we communicate you know we're communicative creatures humans, yes, right yes, yes. and so the the lack of that need to make your express yourself make yourself known make your meaning known mm-hmm. starts to atrophy parts of your brain and i mean poor abe has me just not atrophying my brain talking <laughs> to him at all hours of the day he can't get it's rid a blessing. of me <laughs> it's a blessing but you know it's interesting because um even though we're coupled up we are noticing these long lingering effects of the social impact that covid's having on us and so i can only imagine like I have someone to sleep next to every night. Yeah. I have someone to hug anytime I want. Yeah. I have someone who can bounce ideas off of me anytime we right, want, right? right. Um, I have a partner and yeah. I can only imagine what it's like to go through this alone. And the I would, I would assume, I mean, I haven't done this study, but I would assume that that atrophying rate will grow exponentially. I would suffer immensely without physical touch. Yeah. I want to hug my friends, yeah. you know, and, um, it never realized, I never realized I was talking to this about, about this with my parents, mm. the damning effects of the pandemic in yeah. America yeah. and those who take it very seriously and honor the quarantine rules. And, you know, um, even a dog really doesn't do it enough for cuddling. You do need human touch, yeah. you know, to sustain your health. And Absolutely. so our, our hearts go out to all of you out there who yes. are, went through this alone. If you have any stories, please, please share them. Know. Yeah. And Rox, I just have, you know, I, I do want to ask you this and please ask me this. Yes. But in terms of toxic romantic relationships, and I know we did this for the friendship one. What are some of your traits that, aren't so aren't so hot are a little toxic what are what what Me? oh yeah. yeah i have a lot <laughs> i admit it openly I'm just curious because because it takes two to tango you know and and i know that well to my knowledge i don't know any of your relationships that were strictly one-sided you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so like where, where are you at on that because i definitely have a long list too <laughs> my biggest issue mm-hmm. my biggest toxic trait is my inability to communicate verbally okay and i think i'm a great communicator i yeah. think that yeah <laughs> um, but it's not no i it takes so much for me like it took so much for me to bring this up with jaw wow like i would much and this is honestly i'm not blaming anyone but like in my growing up environment, because culturally we don't know how to confront things in an emotionally honest way, yeah. cold shouldering was the way to punish people. 
And cold shouldering is much more hurtful than lashing out because at least you're showing emotion. I think if you sometimes I become so cold that, you know, it, it's more hurtful. The stonewalling or like the yeah. the inability to feel like you can reach me sometimes like Ooh. that is my most toxic trait is that um, I think that one I mean, I haven't been with somebody. So, you know, I'm, I don't live with anybody and I haven't been in a long term living situation with somebody so long that I get to see my other ones, my auxiliary toxic mm-hmm. traits. But I will say that that big one is a big problem and yeah. it's something that I'm still actively working on. Um, communication with me. Even though I feel like I could speak honestly and openly, you know, in certain environments such as this and in other social situations. But when it comes to my heart, mm. it is a challenge still. Right. And and I think it can snowball. Right. Because uh, yeah. when you don't do it once, it's like, OK, it's like once. But like three years in and there's so many things you've never mentioned or said or expressed your frustration about. Like right. it's not intentional. It's just the consequence of the the snowball effect and it's crazy because you Mm. with relationships the craziest thing about it all is you fall in love with someone yeah and you you can't stop thinking about them you love them wholeheartedly there's this whole romance period Mm. and then you become you know, you start to live together or however you want to have this relationship, but it becomes sort of like routine, Mm. whatever it is, however you identify the relationship. Then if it becomes toxic, you are bred to hate each other. Right. And it just becomes this complete polar experience with this one person. And it is still so not bizarre to me, but Mm. the more I think about romantic relationships, how Mm. it's unlike anything else that we have in our life sometimes that it could be so damaging to our, our sense of self Mm. and our ability to grow as Mm. people too. So anyways, that is, uh, I, I, that, that's sort of like my experience, you know, of dealing with people who are toxic and how I'm still on this journey to be better. Mm. But um, Prisca, I want you to share with me yeah. some of your toxic relationships. I'm thinking of one particular person, <laughs> but yeah. I know that we touched on this in some episodes before, but take us really deep into how this person affected you. Well, I think like when you're saying like, oh, like, you know, you model your relationships off your parents, right? And so in that, like, I think I'm a little bit of a conundrum too, just because, because I'm so special. (laughs) (laughs) You are. No, Um, but you know, my mom's the breadwinner, right? So um, my dad, which you'll find out on the dad's episode coming up in a few weeks. Um, But my dad was uh, an engineer, two masters, PhD, and had a really well-paying job, but gave it all up to become a pastor. So my mom, who was, I think just, Working as an accountant, it was like, oh, shit, I have to fucking provide for three kids, you know? So she, I just kind of, I don't remember the, like, the distinct moment, but I knew that from, like, four, my my being four or five years old on, my mom was always a working lady. And I still remember my mom's, like, work telephone number by heart just because I called that number every day after school to, like, let her know what was for homework, you know? She was the working mom, so I, I do, I am appreciative of that because, the norm for me was a female working and a female having her own shit going on. Um, And my dad was home braiding our hair, cooking us meals, driving us to gymnastics, you know, all of that. But at the same time, 
they're very, very Christian. So for my mom, it was this weird combination of like, she's very strong, very, very like big personality, whatever she says goes. But at the same time, she would say things like, oh, well, your dad's the head of the household. So we have to wait for him to make a decision. And part of me is like, when since when like, you it's know sort of I mean? like patriarchal by society matriarchy by family exactly exactly yeah. and and i think like so i grew up with both um and both had a strong effect on me and uh-huh. one of the biggest things with my parents was the way they met and like decided to fall in love i guess or or got the affirmation from above that they were supposed to fall in love was um you know my parents they met in church before they met my mom was doing like welcome stuff like so that means she would like welcome the newcomers and like have them fill out like forms and then like you know follow up with them and then like you know you kind of like remember their name so when you see them next week you're like hi so and so so that they feel like they're like part of the family it's a it's a great gambit that the church runs just kidding. Please don't be offended by anybody. But I mean, it's a tactic. You know what I mean? It's a tactic to build familiarity. Anyway, my mom was doing the welcome team. My dad was new to the church. So he filled out a form, a newcomer form. And she was going through these newcomer forms and she saw his name. And all of a sudden, the skies open up, the bolt of lightning from heaven comes down and a voice says to her, I'm exaggerating, but like basically a voice inside her says, that's going to be your future husband. She had never met him. This this was just divination matchmaker exactly exactly <laughs> so then all of a sudden she turns around him and who comes around the corner but my dad and he's like hi i'm like timothy liang she's like haha you're gonna be my husband <laughs> <I'm kidding. Yeah. laughs> but like she's like oh like what a coincidence and then they hit it off and like my mom was like from that point i knew even before i met him that this was gonna be the one this is a story I how do i have with. that how do i get that well the thing is like that sounds all cute right it's cute it's cute and they are genuinely like so in love and like they're really sweet and like they're a great they have a great relationship but I think growing up as a teenager with that um story like kind of hanging over your head I would fucking open the phone book and read the phone book waiting for a divine name to fall from the heaven. <laughs> like, you know, come and across on that one name and be like, that's the yes! one. Yes, <laughs> It's like Aaron Anderson. <laughs> Anything? Aaron Baker? Nothing. Aaron Carson. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I was just waiting for God to reveal this person for me. And I was very susceptible to fucking anything you know mm-hmm. what i mean I, I i i was such a boy crazy romantic wanted love type of teen and young adult so i was literally going into any youth group that i would join or any missions trip or any worship team and whatever it was looking for that moment from god uh-huh. to reveal wait so did that happen when you met this person so i think in a hysterical way like it was like i'm so old i haven't been kissed i don't uh, know what to do i need yes. i need to be in a relationship type of situation right it was like when i met my my ex um i was like i am put on this earth to um teach this person what love is almost this kind of warped view of like God has provided me to him. <laughs> did you did you get that feeling? Like it's interesting that you say that. So did you sense that he needed help? He was a broken. He was a pretty 
broken person. Right. And I think that was That's what happens when you're an empath. You just want to yeah. feel broken things. And you just want to fix broken things. And I right. and I um I I recently like read through some of my journals and I was like, it's almost it feels like loving a cactus. <laughs> <laughs> Let me hug you out. Let me kiss you out. Um but that was that was the the kind of perspective that I had going into it, which already is like not healthy. And especially like when we were like breaking up, one of my greatest fears was that no one would could love him the way that I could, which is like totally like kind of crazy. But I, I know that sounds like narcissistic, but it was more from the sense of like, I put up with so much of his shit. Nobody else can put up with his shit. Yeah, but it's not on you. Yeah. Right? Totally. Yeah. It was like the greatest lie that I believed. And I remember at the time, I no longer wanted to be in this relationship because for some of the reasons you were saying, he belittled me. Um, he put me down. Um, he wasn't faithful. All these mm. things. Like, I didn't want to be in a relationship with him anymore because I was growing and self-awareness was coming to the fore i left religion um i left the church and i was waking up and mm. i know you were there the whole time this was happening which is yep. crazy like you were watching me i don't know bl blossom i guess you and know you, and you know what's crazy is like prisca you did do that when yeah. you said you had your moment of like i was put on this earth to love this person yeah. you hell the fuck did yeah like i remembered i would see him <laughs> and like how you would just give him everything yeah. and like be so sweet and like be so loving and yeah. be so supportive of him while he wasn't giving anything no. back to you like yeah. even in front of other people and in my head you know, sometimes you want to say the truth to your friends, but at the same time, you know, she's probably hearing it from other places yeah. and knowing that we have to take our journeys on our own. Right. And like that self-awareness doesn't come with people telling you. It no. comes from you telling you. It, exactly. And and that's the thing is like I lost a lot of friends because they would maybe tell me um, and I it, it, like with my sister Rose she did not like this person at all. Yeah. At all. And for good reasons. Like he would, he was just rude and belittling. Like we would be in front of my parents and he would just like grope my breasts in front of them and think that was hilarious. What? Yeah. Like he thought that was hilarious. And Rose was like, at the end, she was like, I want Priscilla to be happy. And if this is going to be what makes her happy, then I'm going to pull myself out of the equation. Like I need to step away. So I was like losing friends and family. Um, and I would just be like, he's my boyfriend. Can't you just like, you're a little sister. Can't you just get it together and like him? You know what I'm saying? Like, I was like that, that was like my perspective. And I was willing to drop anything for him. Um, and I remember even once like, you know, I had spent, so much time trying to help him find a job at one point I got him a job and like all these things were happening and still like he didn't really want to be with me and I was just like working overtime to get people to like him to get him uh, like you know in, in in networking groups and whatever I was just really really trying and I you know was close to a lot of his friends and um I just remember one night like you know I fell asleep and I woke up after after this crazy week of like helping him with stuff and he was like looking at the facebook photos of this other girl that he had basically emotionally cheated on me with mm. in the past mm -hmm. and he was just on in front of me like still looking at her photos and all i thought at the time i was i was upset 
But I was like, I need to love him better. I need oh, to love him more. Oh my God. That's how twisted it got. That's how, that's the after effects of how twisted a toxic relationship can yeah. be. And, you know, just going off to, what you said about Rose from the outside looking in, mm-hmm. I think us in our thirties now, like we yeah. definitely see things very differently. And yes. I would definitely speak up about someone's partner because you can tell, and we can tell us ourselves know what, like when we're happy with yeah. someone, like yeah. even if it's difficult, you could tell that it's like both people are trying in a healthy manner. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and like, you know, I, I don't want to talk too much more about this person, Um, Because they're my past for a reason. Right. But there's a reason why I wanted to split myself in two so that he could continue on being happy. Right. And I could also find happiness because I knew I wanted to give him what he needed, even in breaking up with him. I still wanted him to have a support system, have someone by his, who who looked out for him like that. That's like love though, Prisca. You know, I think there's a beauty in breaking up too. Yes. There's definitely, you know, I guess, uh, what is the, the movie, the Adam driver, Scarlett Johansson, um, uh, marriage marriage story. story. (laughs) Like it's a love story about breaking up, you know, love story about divorce. And I think that even if things didn't work out with you and this other person, even if they haven't grew or it, you you just can't be with this person like loving them and wanting the best for them is still yeah. an act of love couple maybe months after we broke up you know i was still like now we're 100% no contact but there was a time where i was like still trolling his like you know his insta his reddit you know back in the day and i did come across a comment that he wrote because after we broke up this person went on a crazy self uh help tear like he was recognizing his toxic traits right i feel like a lot of it too is when you're in a toxic relationship and you extricate yourself from it you may be tempted to take this person back because all of a sudden they're working on themselves and all of a sudden they have this clarity and i would say in some cases if you have the guidance of a counselor or a therapist maybe you guys can work on that but also be careful because that's a slippery slope. Yeah. Right? Because you can, you, can, you can front very easily when you're not together and when you're desperate and you want to get this person back. Yeah. So just be cautious, right? But I will say that he wrote this, he wrote this like, I guess it was like an ask Reddit relationship type thing. And, um, you know, he basically wrote like, you know, my ex, she loved me fully, like crazy. And I never appreciated it. And I put her on the back burner. And losing her was the hardest thing, was the hardest way I had to learn this lesson. And I read that and I was like, oh, cool. I don't need to worry about him. He's doing his own journey. And that helped me let it go a lot. That's beautiful. No, thank you for saying that, Prisca, yeah. because I think there's always a rebound period. Yes. You know, there's a rebound period of like, oh my gosh, like... Did we he change? Can, yeah, did he change? Can I take him back or yeah. can I take them back? And... um things end for a reason and people really do need to let go and end certain chapters in order to become the next version of themselves. Yeah. You know, you have to let things end for other things to begin. Yeah. And that's something that I seriously believe in. Okay. So Mm -hmm. how are you dealing with your amazing husband, Abe, who's like (laughs) sitting right here listening to us. I know. I'm kind of glad because so we put up a little uh, sound divider so (laughs) I can't see Abe. So like Roxy's blocking my view. I am all you see. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of good because, you know, it's it's not easy to talk about stuff like this. It just, it, it isn't easy to, 
revisit mistakes you've made when you were younger or just honestly like right now I feel like what we're doing is we're like revisiting ghosts of ourselves you know these younger versions where like I almost look at it or I was like reading my journals the other day and I was almost like who is she you know what I mean like who was this person and it's a beautiful process but it's difficult to excavate you know it's difficult to dig out these old bodies and one day we will be that old body to a future version of ourselves we will yeah and we will recognize us here but um so with my husband and i we have we have an amazing relationship but i would say when we moved to ashland some of our codependent tendencies definitely came to the fore Mm -hmm. so i think because for the first time since we started dating we shared a social group we were reliant on only his job our relationship dynamic became really insulated in this new environment. Um, and in some ways, in some ways it felt like we were soda can being shaken and, 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 you know, he was CO2 and I was the liquid and we were just like expanding. You it's know like what I mean? Life fast forward. Yes. It was, it was a highly pressurized. It was like pressure cooking. Yep. It was like putting us in this high pressure situation and we had to figure a lot of stuff out very quickly because otherwise it was too it, it could have been combustible. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. we had to learn to really trust each other. Mm-hmm. But above that, we had to learn to give each other space when we needed space because mm-hmm. I'm a very like clingy person. And this was probably like one of my toxic traits is I would not let him walk away. If I was being bitchy, I wouldn't let him walk away. If he was being distant, I wouldn't let him walk away. If he needed Like you want to fix things right here and now. I want to fix it whether or not. Like it's almost like a kid who's like, let me help you clean, but they're covered in chocolate. <laughs> like sometimes I was that kid where I'm yeah. like, let me help you clean. And he's like, you are not ready to like, you're not ready to clean this up right now. Like you're, you, you know what I'm saying? Like anything that you do, anything that you touch is going to be covered in chocolate. Um, and so I think that I had to learn to give space, um, and not define ourselves by each other. Right. And, um, we're still learning, but I think when we were in Ashland, it was definitely like, there's nobody else. I had no other status thing to go to, to ameliorate my feelings. I had no friends that I could kind of, who kind of knew us both or knew me better or knew him better. You know, I, I just didn't have these groups that I could go to to either vent or rely on or go sleep somewhere for a night. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like right. it, if we were fighting, like it was like everyone in Ashland knows him as Cambodian rock band, Abraham Kim, you right. know? And it was like this feeling of like, we have to work it out together, which was a blessing in it. And, and sometimes a very difficult thing, not a curse, but a difficult thing. But I'm, glad we had that time because I think now we have a much healthier relationship where we know how to give each other space. We know how to respect each other more. Um, and we're very different socially, you know? And so I think we had to really recognize when it was healthy and when it wasn't healthy, when we needed to trust each other, when we needed to let each other go a little bit. You I know? love always hearing about your relationship with Abe because <laughs> it feels like I'm growing with you guys. <laughs> yeah. I'm like third wheeling hardcore. Right. No, I love it. <laughs> and like something that I read the other day, mm-hmm. which I thought was such essential advice that I wish I could have learned early on in my relationship journey was someone said um, something that helped them through a lot of arguments with their partners yeah. was, um, do you need support or advice 
like you know when when someone's venting right sometimes i always want to give advice yes. unsolicited advice yes you should do this you should do, but that's not what they need to hear so then it causes a lot of friction interesting so like at the top like this person said when he talks to his wife and they feel something coming on it's like all right do you want advice or support wow that's a great one it's so good that's I was a like, great holy one holy shit a lot of my arguments yeah. could have been prevented with this yes sentence and that's so funny you say that because now that you're saying this I had to one recognize that when I complain about things, Abe can sometimes feel helpless mm-hmm. because whether he can do something or not, you know, it, he, he, he just might feel helpless. Like he can't fix it. Right. Um, and then him feeling helpless, he might get a little more either proactive, which is not in that moment what I need or like a little upset. Cause it's yeah. like, why can't, why can't we fix it? I'm offering you solutions, you know? Right. And I think now he understands or it's quicker. It's almost like I feel like the longer you've been in a relationship, you develop these shortcuts where like, you know, the first couple of times you go through it, you have to go this like long winding road to figure out that, oh, your partner just needs to be listened to. But I think just the other day, it was like maybe five minutes of like our old pattern. And he was like, you just want someone to listen, huh? And and that was it. And then, you know what I mean? It didn't turn into a fight, didn't turn into a disagreement or anything. It was just like this deeper understanding of each other and what we need and when. And I think exactly that question, whether it's explicitly stated or not, do you want advice or do you want support? Is so, because a lot of times, just to generalize, men like, concrete solutions to concrete problems that makes a lot more sense you know practical solutions very practical yeah and then for women typically yeah we just want to talk about it and talking about it either helps us be okay with it so we don't actually have to do anything which sometimes is great because sometimes if I vent about it, if I vent about my mom to you, then it's like, cool, I can let I got it, it go. out. I got yeah. it out. Yeah. And my relationship with my mom isn't going to change in the short term. So it helps me live another day, you know, battle it out with Michelle Yang another day. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and it comes down to advice or support. Yeah. So as that's huge, that's like a really big lesson for all of us. And it just shows us how we could continue to grow yeah. and being self-aware. Yeah. Right. And how we continue to build healthier relationships. Yeah. And on that note, we'll be right back after a short message from us to us for us. Thank you, guys. We'll be right back. Hi, Goatees. We love hanging out with you every week. If you're liking what you're hearing, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us a lot, and we will be eternally grateful. Okay, bye. And we're back. Oh my God, that was crazy. <laughs> How did you turn into a pterodactyl? Uh, why are you naked? <laughs> oh, you know the years. <laughs> so, uh, Prisca, topic two What is love? Got to do. Got, Got to, to do. do with it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what does love mean to you now? Oh my God. Um, okay, so I. <laughs> you wrote like a poem. <laughs> I was like drawing a blank because I think, I think it's changed so much. I think when I was single, I both had a shopping list of what I wanted in a man. And I also had a shopping list of what I saw myself in love as, you Mm -hmm, know. mm -hmm. Um, But here's some things I've learned. And I know I know we're going super (laughs) So I think we're kind of truncating 
the second half here, but yeah. as we always do, as we always do, <laughs> which we should learn. Um, it should, but you guys are this deep into us. <laughs> we could go a little bit deeper. Deeper, yes. Thrust a little bit harder. Um, so love is hard work and balance. It's allowing your ugly sides to show as much as your brilliant sides. Love is loving someone through the difficult part. Love is not fair, and it shouldn't be forced into being so. Love means some days you give more, and some days you get more. Love is recognizing that sometimes the more you love someone, the more you're able to hurt them, and the more they have the capacity to hurt you. And to be gentle with one another because you have the potential to injure. Love is loving someone even when you don't feel it, even when you're going through a rough patch. And love must include loving yourself. <laughs> so beautiful. <laughs> oh, my God. When I, when I saw this, I was like, I, I was just answering the question, like, on the beat sheet. And then I saw that Priska wrote, like, a fucking sonnet. Stop. And then now she just performed open mic. And I'm just like, amen, sister. I'm like, well, snap, snap, snap. I has hard to follow up that act, no, y'all. No, no. Um, but I I, I'm going to truncate it. Like, mine's not as eloquent. No. I'm as just... poetic as that. Um, so for me, I'm just going to talk about, like, the, the love has definitely shifted to, mm. to for me in meaning over the years. Yeah. especially romantic ones because i feel like society and media and like growing up culturally like and in your family people have so many ways of what it should mean yeah. to you yeah and um you know my family like i said established the concept of romantic love first yeah. then it's your friends in school right then it's your you're the media and what you see on tv and movies yeah. and then how finally you can define it on your own through right. your own experiences right for me Love is truly simple. Yeah. It is kind and mm. unconditional. Here's mm. my poem, mm. motherfucker. Mm. Yes. <laughs> but most Give importantly, it I, it's what you said before. Love is a conscious choice. Mm. And that can take many forms. And I know that love will continue to grow for me and evolve for me. But mm. at the end of the day, it's just choosing to love someone yeah. and choosing to stay in that relationship. Mm. And however you mean yeah. for it to be. And um, yeah. Uh, a great I like I'm just gonna pretend that I also help you write that poem yeah you did um, we did you. it together yeah we, we we were sending thoughts back and forth the whole time we were we were we my were telepathic thoughts <laughs> yeah but it's kind of like this podcast we like, are two bean in a pod we are two bean in pod but like um in a k-cup pod but I mean it's kind of like doing this podcast like the thing that's keeping this going and the thing that's sustaining it is our collective choice mm -hmm. to continue it together and in that yeah. way you know and our friendship includes so much love um yeah. and it, it's very similar we we are closer than we've ever been it's harder it, it's we're tackling things that are harder than we've ever tackled yeah and we're learning to communicate and you're in a lifelong commitment with me, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yep. And now, you know what it's time for? It's time for... <laughs> I'm not reading as much as I usually do, so I'm a little bummed about that. You're busy picking forks and ceramics for your literally, kitchen. <laughs> literally, Amazon reviews are the bane of my existence. <laughs> but anyhow, I did get to catch up on a little bit of fiction earlier in January. Um, I read the, the Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. Um, and it is just a delightful little piece of fiction. There's a little mystery to it. Um, a lot of it is just like describing the, um, swamps in the, in the south of like the, um, 
in the deep south mm. and um just talking about the nature preserves the the types of birds the types of feathers um the tides and um you know so it's basically about this girl who's abandoned by her entire family and learns to survive completely on her own and even still she finds a white boyfriend to uh bring her feathers and stuff so anyway it's it's a sweet story it's a good piece of fiction it's very absorbing is it the most like hard-hitting mystery no is it like you know that well constructed nah but it's a good piece of fiction and it draws you in there's a heaviness to it for sure but there's a beautiful lightness to it as well so i recommend that book uh it's a quick read you can probably finish in like two three days then, um, so what we're going to eat after we finish this episode. I can't wait. I'm um, so hungry. <laughs> <laughs> my husband, um, we love Kenji Lopez-Alt, who's of Serious Eats. And he, he's been doing these like quarantine video series on YouTube. Wow. And basically he just like puts like um, a GoPro on his forehead. Uh-huh. And then he just cooks <gasps> and talks through it. So it's not like well edited or I it's like not, that though you're I like know. um you're like a what what's it remy from ratatouille exactly exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 exactly like you feel like that so he 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 did this like very simple pressure cooked chicken salsa verde recipe that's i think the most recent um episode on his youtube right now so go check it out it, uh-huh. it i think all in all took my husband about an hour and it is literally like the most delicious thing i've had i can't wait to try that this. hasn't been a restaurant food you oh know oh my god i can't fucking wait i know i know so once we finish this episode we're gonna go to how about you rocks how about you okay i I was like literally struggling over unsolicited picks because like (laughs) i don't i feel like our lives are so routine right now with like work and you know looking on amazon for like kitchen sets and yeah (laughs) i love 30 i love 30 (laughs) yeah um so i would say i know that tiktok is big on this like african food thing right now but i've been on this train well beforehand okay so So back off tiktok back off tiktok i want to give another shout out to another amazing african kitchen but this is more a Cameroonian food. Okay. So this is Mama D's African Kitchen. And I think they're just south of downtown. And I really recommend their Iru and Endole. I'm probably saying it wrong. Endole. And that's like a peanut-based vegetable Ooh. dish. <gasps> and then Iru is using Iru leaves and spinach. <gasps> what's, and then, what's Iru? I, it's a, a very like stiff, bitter leaf. Oh. And it's also known like as a, it, Nigerian. Almost like a chard? It, uh, it's oh, like no. very small bitter leaves and, oh. and the stems are quite hard. Oh. Anyways, uh, for those of you who do know, please let us know. I feel like I'm butchering all of these names <laughs> and then you eat it with fufu Ooh. and then, um, or you Yum. eat it with a gari. So okay. they're like both different types of starches okay. and it is incredible. Please support small businesses. Yes. You could have iru or endo. I feel like I'm saying it wrong with like, um, different types of proteins. You know, like I know that iru has like honeycomb <gasps> and feet in it. What? And you will fucking love I this. I am dying. That sounds so good. They also have this okra stew. Stop. That's like incredible. We're leaving. Yeah, it is so, so, so oh good. God. So please go visit this place, support small businesses. And uh, my other recommendation is these are just like like instant ramens, but this is probably the best hey. like tonkatsu Japanese what? instant ramen that you can make. It's pretty, it's really expensive. It's like, I think four packs is like $25 or something. Oh my God. Um, off Amazon. But uh, this is the closest you could get to oh, restaurant style. That's really style. expensive. Really expensive. Or uh, is that four or six? I remember. I don't remember. But the pack itself was wow. like twenty five dollars. But like, um, you add bok choy to it. You <gasps> add like, you know, pork to Ooh, it. You can make pork. some chashu. Yeah, chashu, Ooh. and then I'll put a you know soft boiled egg Ay. on top, and it is basically restaurant quality. I made this for Jaw the other night, and he could not talk. 
Oh my god! The whole time he was just like, "This is unbelievable!" Oh my god! So I recommend instant ramen noodles. Um, get them off Amazon. They're delicious and amazing. Okay, okay. Ready, right. ready, 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 ready. Here we go. Roxy's gonna pull a card for the collective. Everybody, send your vibes. It is intense because the card that came out for this week is the devil, and it has so much to do with our topic: toxic romantic relationships. And that's why I was a little bit like spooked. Yeah. Earlier when um we Holy were talking shit. about this because the devil shows to people chained together with the devil overlooking them fuck we did not make this up guys like we did not like doctor this we did not doctor card. this no, at all like and that's so crazy it's insane because it just talks about your addictions and fuck. and it also talks about codependency Shit. so it talks about feeling like you're chained to a certain person or certain bad habits or certain patterns and it's also a capricorn card which okay. is like kind of like strange because it does have the devil with the horns showing over it, oh. so it's a capricorn card but uh, you know the devil really talks about you facing is it true that you're truly chained to this pattern if you know that you're in a bad relationship the image shows that the chain is large enough for the person to remove it Holy but they shit. choose not to they choose to stay chained fuck to each other so i don't know if any of y'all have seen daniel sloss's like stand up oh, yes jigsaw. yes oh my god he's got a dark he's got a dark humor. i know yeah. sense of humor but there is that one section that's going viral that yeah. starts about the 30 minute mark which talks about us building us own as our own jigsaw pieces mm. and it's not the other piece the missing piece in your puzzle that you're looking for because that whole person is another jigsaw puzzle right so then um i just implore all of you to just sort of observe what's around you but also please don't give up on love like like I feel like so many of us like to talk about, yeah, like putting yourself first and like, you know, not settling. But the whole practice of love is to come together. Wow. Right. Okay. Yes. And to work on to build a partnership with someone, to build something with somebody. So please, I know that I, our society tends to overcomplicate love and it is a complicated manner, but it truly in its essence, it is simple. Well, thank you, Roxy, for pulling a card for us and for giving us that huge piece of wisdom. And if you guys want to find out more about Roxy and her tarot reading, you can go to Instagram.com slash Sun Queen Tarot. Um, so, guys, we are closing out right now. We are off next week, but we will be back the 22nd. So, guys, for so y'all... <laughs> Yes, so y'all, <laughs> guys is no longer in the building. Sorry, uh, it's a latent, work in progress. It's so a work Cal in progress. Thing. I know, dude is a hard one to shake. No, that's a um, bro is a hard a one to bro shake. Bro is hard. Yeah. So, <laughs> y'all have a horny week. Our lovely goatees, and remember, stay horny. This podcast is hosted by Roxy and Priska, engineered by Abraham Kim at the Shire Studios. Music by Abraham Kim. Artwork by Connie M. Please visit us at twohornygoats.com. Have thoughts or questions for us? Email us at hello at twohornygoats.com. Bye! Bye!
intoxicate me now with your love and now I think I'm ready now I think I'm ready now intoxicate me now with your love and now I think I'm ready now 